This is an episode from back in 2016, long before I ever started recording and publishing what we now know as the Real Age Podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Kevin Durant just needs to shut up. Last night when asked about uh, the Clippers pitch to him during the offseason, he said, they made it tough on me. I mean, CP3, DJ Blake, those guys are all great players. So it was a tough pitch to pass up. Kevin Durant... Please shut up. When somebody asked you about this offseason and which pitch was which, just say, I chose Golden State. I'm happy where I'm at. Quit talking. Everybody's already pissed off you're at Golden State, so why don't you just kind of plead the fifth and say, I am where I am. Don't go and say, they made it tough on me. I mean, they had CP and DJ and Blake. Because then you make it so easy so easy for me to question your competitiveness. Are you competitive, Kevin Durant? Because from what I'm hearing, Steph, Clay, Draymond, those guys are stacked, and you chose them. And a lot of people think you chose them because they were stacked. Not because of the way they played basketball, you know, like you say, you know, they make basketball fun again. And then you get asked about the Clippers pitch, and you say, well, I mean, they have Blake, DeAndre, Chris. Reddick, Crawford, you know, I don't know if they could afford everybody, but essentially you're saying it would have been easy to win with this team. It would have been easy to win with the Clippers. And um, Katie, you're making it. I have to be fair. I have to be fair. Because I hate, I, I'm not a LeBron. I'm not a LeBron fan. LeBron's a talent, great talent, top five of all time talent. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of LeBron James. And, uh, I'm no longer, I don't think I've ever thought I would say this. I'm no longer a fan of Kevin Durant. I love watching the guy ball. I mean, six foot 11, 30 foot jumper. I've been saying he's the best guy on the planet since the first time they lost the finals. I mean, he went to Texas, hook him horns. Um, after the FIBA came in and led the league in scoring, I thought this guy's going to take the NBA by storm. Um, but we'll, uh, I just said I'm no longer a Kevin Durant fan. And this is why. This is why. I think Kevin Durant, it's, it's the media's fault, honestly. I think we have such a, a fixation on championships, on your all-time pedigree, um, which should honestly just be based off of your top skill and how long you performed that way and how long of a career you had. That should be... If Michael Jordan never won a championship, he would still arguably be the best player of all time. I mean, he averaged 30.1 points per game. Freak of nature athlete, freak of nature on defense, killer instinct. If he never broke the ceiling, we probably wouldn't say he's the best of all time. I mean, he broke it six times and never lost. So he's the GOAT. But I'm just saying, talent-wise, he's up there. He's up there. LeBron's up there. Magic Johnson's up there. You know, these are just great talents, even if they never won a championship. So I just think uh, Kevin Durant losing to Golden State didn't drive him to be better. You know, as a, I played tennis, um, when I lost to somebody... The only way to beat them was to be better than them, you know? So I, that, that drove me, that losing drove, was driving me to be better because I wanted to win. Kevin Durant wants to win, but losing and getting beaten isn't driving him to be better. He's solely fixated on that championship that he's thinking CP3, DJ Blake, Steph, Clay, Draymond, anything's better than <coughs> Russ Book and a bunch of nobodies, which is essentially what they had. I mean, Ibaka... Cantor, Adams, they, they're, they're players, but I don't know if they're 
the role players I would want for a championship team. And maybe, I mean, Adam's great starting center, I think. So um, Oladipo, um, I think Durant, Westbrook, Oladipo, and Adams would have been, I mean, they were up 3-1 in the finals. So they probably would have been a finals contender, but I mean, the conference finals, but Durant left. So that leaves Westbrook. That leaves Westbrook with a... Uh, now a new plan for the Thunder is surround Westbrook with a uh, a surrounding cast rather than throwing all their money into one huge talent. Um, the Thunder are one, not superstar away. The Thunder are one great player away from being a huge contender in the West next year. Um, a Miles Turner, a Harrison Barnes, just anybody that you can get on side with Oladipo and Westbrook and Adams. Westbrook is ferocious. He's the most fierce competitor in the NBA. I think the Thunder, they didn't do too bad for themselves. If you had to lose Westbrook or Durant and build around one of them, I would pick Westbrook. I mean, 31, 11, 11, six straight triple doubles. The guy is fierce. He's ferocious. He drives everyone to be better. His intensity, you just feed off of it. Durant's one of the silent killer. I mean, he's going to give you 30, but I don't know. I think the Thunder really won. Um... If they had to give up one, I think they, they got rid of, not got rid of the right one. I think they lost the right one, and they are fortunate enough Westbrook resigned because he is going to be an absolute beast these next three or four years. Um, which brings me to the Golden State Warriors being absolutely stacked with Kevin Durant. They are just absolutely, I mean, 73-9 and nine last year. We're a month in the season now. They've lost two games. I think they're 16 and two, something like that. Um, 73 and nine is very achievable again for this Golden State Warriors team. I think it's actually probable. That's probably going to happen that they lose 10 or less games again. Um, they're, they're filthy right now, and everybody was kind of expecting them to be this filthy. They're, everybody was kind of expecting them to be midseason form coming out of the gates. That's what everybody expected of LeBron and the Heat. Um, and LeBron, uh, oh man, LeBron and that Heat team. Thank goodness the Mavericks beat them in that first finals. Go, oh, I'm so glad Dirk won the finals that year. But that is besides the point. The Warriors, um, they're going to go 73-9 again probably. They're in midseason form now. Uh, Clay dropped 60 in three quarters, 29 minutes. 11 dribbles. Clay Thompson dribbled the ball 11 times and dropped 60 points. Kevin Durant's going to give you 20-plus every single game. Steph, we all know what he can do. Back-to-back MVP. And the man can pull up from 35 off the dribble. Um, his wife is actually an amazing cook. I watched uh, Aisha's Homemade. He's actually a pretty funny guy, too. He made a chicken parm. Looked amazing. Might try out the recipe myself. Not going to lie. Uh, you got Draymond. Um, he's going to give you probably 8, 6, and 6 every game consistently. The random 15, 10, and 10. Uh, I'm not a big Draymond fan. I think he's, I mean, I would love to have Draymond be the fourth best player on my team, though. Uh, then you got Zaza and JaVal McGee has some defense, and you got you got an okay bench. They're pretty bad, but um, yeah, the Warriors are, to me, Kevin Durant on that team makes it easy for everybody. They're stacked. They're just 11, 11 dribbles, and you drop 60. I mean, LeBron dribbles the ball 11 times before the first two possessions are over, you know? Um I would like to see somebody with the stat on if anybody 
could ever score like more than that. I don't think anybody will ever score more than that off 11 dribbles, ever. I'd put money on that. Um, but uh, the NBA is just full of kind of this chase for the cup now, this chase for the, the rings. Golden State Warriors are going to win two out of three, probably. Uh, they're probably going to three-peat now, I believe. But um, the NBA is kind of just, uh, it's it's LeBron's fault. Maybe it's not, but he left. You could just tell the first time he left Cleveland in that game six loss when he was walking in the tunnel, took off his jersey. He was, it was his last game as a Cavalier at that point. He leaves for Miami for uh, Wade and Bosch. He goes to four straight finals. He probably could have lost all four, honestly. Honestly, he could have. He lost to the Mavericks, 4-2, to two, to a team that was, he says, well, I mean, how do you put a team to, to, to win a finals with losing two of their all-stars? Dirk was the only all-star on that team. Dirk was the only all-star, and they won 4-2. to two. Um, The next year, you beat a young Thunder team. With a couple, a couple of plays that could have changed the entire... Mario Chalmers up in 40 one game. Come on. Russell Westbrook got the jump ball. Thought the shot clock wasn't going to restart. Put the shot up. Ill-advised. That changed the game. One of the games. Kevin Durant got fouled in the last shot. Wasn't called when LeBron was guarding him. All over him. Hit him on the elbow. Hit him on the leg. Right in front of a ref. So the next year, Ray Allen saves his career. Ray Allen saves his career. Forces it to game seven. And then the year after that, um, lose to the Spurs. And then you got to think, Wade and Bosh, four years ago, you would have picked Wade and Bosh over Kyrie and Kevin Love. 100%. I don't even know if Kyrie's in the league yet. But the year LeBron left, you could easily argue, you would, I mean, nobody wanted Wade and Bosh over Kyrie and Kevin Love. And they were both going to be in Cleveland. LeBron said, hmm, easy path to win. I get to go back home. If Kyrie and Kevin Love weren't on Cleveland, LeBron wasn't going to Cleveland. I'm sorry. LeBron was going to the best team, the easiest team, the easiest way for him to win, and he was staying in the East. LeBron would never in a million years consider going to the West. The season would be too brutal on him. The playoffs, he would never make it to the finals ever, ever, ever. Um, So I think LeBron's legacy is really going to be a legacy that's going to be Great, but I don't think it shows really what LeBron was avoiding and kind of how he did what he did, per se. You know, leaving. He went back to Cleveland and won one for the land, but he kind of just took advantage of a couple superstars. But And then the East has been awful. Um, it's getting better. This year is going to be a balanced East. Last year was a more balanced East. The year before that, the year before that, and the year before that, the East was absolutely terrible. It was the Heat's to win. It was the Heat's East to win every single year. And during this time, and during pretty much during LeBron's whole career, you've had dynasties and just consistent playoff contenders every single year in the West, beating up on each other every single season, making it hard on each other to get to the finals, energized, healthy, and all. And LeBron's just been taking advantage of it, you know, the entire time. Think about who's been in the West in the past 10 years and how good these teams have been, either for a four-year span, the entire 10-year span. Let's just go through it. Golden State Warriors, LA Lakers, San Antonio Spurs, Oklahoma City Thunder, Los Angeles Clippers, Memphis Grizzlies, Dallas Mavericks, 
besides last year. Um, Memphis Trailblazers and the Mavericks are just awful this year. It's so sad to watch. And the Houston Rockets. LeBron James faces those guys twice a year rather than some of these guys who pay three or four times, you know, five times some. But LeBron stayed in the East for a reason. LeBron got on stacked teams for a reason to make himself look better and his legacy. Even though he is a top talent, um, you have to have championships for somebody to consider you uh, absolutely amazing. But enough on the old heads. Let's talk about some of the youngins, some of the youngins in the NBA right now. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, a.k.a. The Process, averaging 18.5 to 7.6. Still on a minute restriction, but those are just, I mean, he won Rookie of the Month for the East. Uh, absolutely ridiculous numbers for a guy that uh, had to put up absolutely ridiculous numbers in order for him to stay in the NBA for longer than a year, honestly. Two-year surgeries, the cockiness. This man had to be bawling when he came out, and he certainly is. Only 22 years old, seven foot, 250. He's got range. He's quick. Plays D. I mean, his thirties, his per 36 minute, uh, his stats per 36 minutes, 28.6 points, 11.8 rebounds. Wow. Wow, wow. Um, this guy has a bright future, I think. I think if he averages anywhere between 28 and 12, 27 and 12, uh, I mean, he's going to be a superstar in this league in two or three years easily. He has 5.7 turnovers also in that 36 minutes, but he doesn't get a lot of game action. He has hits out back-to-back, -back, so that number should go down as he gets more mature and just gets more in game situations. Um, the 76ers got uh, him and Jaleel. We'll see how that works out. We'll see how that works out. Um, they're both big guys. Um, maybe Embiid can be more of a stretch, big stretch for us since he does have the range and Jaleel can really work the post. I'm glad Nerlens Noel wants out and he's being public about it. He's too good of a defensive talent. Um, I see him as like a Serge Ibaka prototype. You know, maybe in a few years he could be that kind of player. But there is a log jam with the center position and Santa uh, Sixers should be actively seeking to get rid of him. Um, I saw a stat yesterday. UConn's women basketball won their 83rd straight game. Their 83rd straight game. They just beat number two Notre Dame by like 11. But um, when I was like 10, I remember they, this is 10 years ago, so they were about to win 100 straight games. 100. So this UConn's women basketball, it's the best dynasty. I mean, it's women's basketball, so... Any girl who's great at college basketball probably wants, I mean, at high school basketball probably wants to go to UConn. That's the dream anyway. So they kind of have a monopoly on all the good players. And then two through 10, you know, uh, get all the the people who want to beat UConn. But uh, man, UConn just, they, they produce a lot of people that go to the WNBA. They always win. So. <sighs> oh. Early morning. If 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 you could consider women's basketball, when you consider all the dynasty sports, obviously UConn's women's basketball, UCLA's men's, New England Patriots football, uh, those are probably the three dynasties I would go to to look at the um, greatness of an organization. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of greatness of an organization, the Browns are the worst organization ever. Ever. I'll say it. They're they're just an awful football organization. They don't look like they want to win. They don't look like they're eager to win. But Joe Thomas, their left tackle, is 
probably my new favorite player in the NFL. Uh, I read an article. The man has played 9,684 straight snaps for the worst organization in history. Left tackle. This guy is making a new relationship with two or three quarterbacks every year. Every year. Their season's over in November every single year. And he still just, every single snap, goes out, plays amazingly. I mean, this guy's an all-pro guy. And uh, he's just a good guy. That's just, I, I love that story on him. He deserves a statue. Cleveland needs to give him a statue while he's still playing. He's the only, he's the only slither of sunshine in the poor and the poor Cleveland Browns organization. They're just Johnny Menzel, Josh Gordon. They just, they don't get anything right, but Joe Thomas, they got right. Um, <clears throat> let's talk MVP. Let's talk MVP of the NFL. I have my top three. People keep talking about uh, their MVP picks. ESPN had Derek Carr, Matty Ice, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe it was Ezekiel than Dak, but it was in that order. Um, I now see one that Matt Ryan's kind of fallen out, and it's Derek Carr, Tom Brady, and Stafford um, kind of leading the pack now. So I'm just going to kind of give you my, my top three MVP, um, starting one, two, and three. Um, I will back up each one of these with stats and the eye test, so just buckle in and get ready. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm the, I'm a big fan of the GOAT, Tom Brady. Um, I think he's hands down the best quarterback of all time. Anybody who thinks there's somebody arguable for the same position is ignorant to me. I don't think they know football at that point. And the fact that he's 39 and still playing at this level, an elite level at 39... Um, I think he'll play till 43, 44. I think he has one or two more Super Bowl runs in him. Definitely one more win, maybe one more loss. I hope he never loses another Super Bowl again. But this year, the whole deflate gate was last season. And then this season, he served his four-game suspension. So in the eight games Tom Brady has played, he has a QBR of 113.1, leading the league, all qualified players. Um, he has 19 touchdowns. With one interception, and he's only been sacked 11 times. That's great. That's great news for the Patriots if in eight games, Tom Brady's only been sacked 11 times. You keep Tom Brady standing up, you can, you can guarantee you're going to win games. You can guarantee you're going to win games. He's completing 68.9% of his passes, passing for 308 yards per game. And... uh yeah, the, the Patriots are doing a good job protecting him. Gronk went down. We'll see how he finishes out his season. But um, right now, 19-1, that's a crazy, ridiculous INT to TD ratio. Um, when it's all said and done in the season, um, 12 games, I think Tom will have thrown 28, 29 touchdowns with two or three interceptions. And that he might go 11-1. With only lost a lone loss to Seattle. So I think that in itself, unless somebody else performed better than him, I think 12 games is enough. 
you know, um, if you're that much better than everybody else. Um, second, I had Derek Carr. The man is 10 and 2 with this Oakland Raiders team, which has been a laughing stock of the NFL um, the past five years. He has a passer rating of 100.3. He has 24 touchdown passes and five interceptions. So he's played four more games than Brady, has five more touchdowns and four more interceptions. So that's kind of my sense on why Derek Carr's behind him. Uh, if Brady were to have those four games, I think Brady, 27 touchdowns, three interceptions, four interceptions. So he's just a little bit farther on pace than uh, Derek Carr in terms of efficiency. And listen to this stat. In the 12 games Derek Carr's played, he's been sacked a total of 12 times. Sacked a total of 12 times. So if you want to talk about how Ezekiel and Dak are big, big beneficiaries of their offensive line, the Oakland Raiders have a fantastic offensive line group. Tom Brady's been sacked 11 and 8, which is amazing. But Derek Carr, 12 and 12, they're keeping that man upright. They're giving him time. He has the weapons. He has the weapons. Tom Brady has Hogan and Edelman and Bennett now. And he has Cooper. I mean, he has the weapons of Tavius Murray. Um, and then third place, I have Ezekiel Elliott, slightly above Dak. Um, slightly above Dak, just because if you watch this man play, you just get the sense that Dak's benefiting a little, little bit more from Ezekiel's freak of nature play than Ezekiel's benefiting from Dak's game managing. Um, he is averaging 21.9 attempts per game, um, 4.9 yards per carry. So he has 1,285 yards with 1120-plus yard runs, 12 touchdowns. He's ran for 76 first yards, highest in the league. Next highest is 59. Um, he's averaging 107.1 yards per game, the only player averaging over 100 yards per game. Um, so, yeah, Ezekiel rounds up me for my third MVP. He's just a freak. He runs hard. He falls forward. He's smart. He, the O-line's doing him well. He, he has speed. He's elusive. He's going to be great back with that great O-line for a while. Expect him, if he can stay healthy, to put up big numbers in his first four or five years. Oh, man. Okay, to round up my show, I, I think I'm, I'm relatively a new show, so we don't have many segments, but I really think one of my segments for my show is just calling out things that Stephen A. Smith says and then just like letting you guys like listen that we let this guy be a sports commentator like full time. We pay him millions of dollars to say the things that he says, you know, and we just kind of blindly keep watching his show, even though he's an awful commentator. Um, and week two, I've mentioned this before, he said that Trent Richardson and Ezekiel Elliott were similar. Ezekiel Elliott kind of reminded him of Trent, kind of lacked the elusivity. Didn't know he wasn't that elusive, you know. Trent Richardson, I mentioned this earlier, 11 times Ezekiel has rushed for 20 or plus yards. Only player in the league with double digits. Um, and he has 263 attempts. So about one in every 20, 21 attempts, he, get a, he gets a... Uh, 22 attempts, he gets a 20-yard um, a run. Um, Trent Richardson, 614 carries in his whole career. Uh, he averaged 13.3 uh, rushes per game. So, I mean, he got, he got uh, roughly about twice as many as attempts as, as, um, 
Ezekiel did. And guess how many, somebody ever want to tell me how unelusive Trent Richardson is compared to Ezekiel Elliott or how much more elusive uh, Ezekiel Elliott is than Trent Richardson? Four times in Trent Richardson's 614 uh, rushes did he get 20 yards or more in a rush. So there's absolutely no similarity between Ezekiel Elliott and Trent Richardson, the worst running back of all time, compared to may go down as one of the most productive running backs if he can stay healthy of all time with this O-line. I, I want to call that now. Since, since Stephen A can call Ezekiel being one of the worst players of all time, I can call him being one of the best players of all time early. So that's going to do it. Stephen A, I'm coming for your job. See you in a few years. All right. Thank you all for listening. That's more than I can say that I did before publishing this. Uh, hope I didn't say anything really fucking stupid. Um, but that's the end. Thanks for listening.